0: good morning everyone happy friday it is uh what friday april 23rd 2021 you are watching kofefe break on unsafe space today we're going to talk about the chauvin verdict uh the micaiah bryant shooting and being in denial about accepting counterculture status as individualist and uh then i'm going to try and spend a lot of time on chats uh, today. We've got a little bit different format for a show today because Carrie is on her way to uh, the Better Discourse conference in Kenosha, uh, which is tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I we could have had other guests, but I wanted to spend some time talking to you guys and really paying attention to chat. So I guess it could be a short show if you guys don't want to talk about anything. Uh, it'll be over basically, as soon as I get through the few things I wanna talk about, but it could be long. I'll stick around if you want. So that's uh, that's the plan for today. Carrie obviously will return on Monday. We might be streaming on DLive. That's, I'm not sure. I set it up, crossed my fingers. And uh, if you're catching us on DLive, you're the only one. Uh, and no one knows we're there. I'm saying it now. So. Let's see, if you'd like to support the show, please don't forget to go to unsafespace.com. You can, you should sign up there. We don't really spam people. We don't, actually, we don't have a newsletter. We don't send emails out. Um, but we'll need that in the eventuality that Susan kicks us off of YouTube. So it's a good way to communicate. We have communicated when we've when been suspended from YouTube. So please go ahead and do that. If you'd like to help keep us on YouTube a little bit longer, like, subscribe, and share. You can also watch our content on Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com. But everything's on, on safespace.com. And it will always be there no matter what's happening in the rest of the world. Uh, also, as a reminder, we have Book Club coming up. Our next book is a fiction book. It is Douglas Adams, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's actually not this long. This is, uh, I think, all five books. It's really just the first one I think that we're doing for book club, (laughs) unless I'm wrong. Uh, You're not expected to learn any great insights about Western civilization or anything like that. It's just a book for fun, although maybe you'll come away with insights. Uh, And that's on May 2nd, so if you want to participate in that, I think you can go to our uh, Facebook uh, book club group to say that you want to participate, or you can send an email to Beverly, uh, which is speak at unsafespace.com. What else? Oh, the next book after that is Jordan Peterson's Beyond Order. That will be on May 30th. I know some people like to get a head start on uh, you know, a couple months in advance, so that's the one after that if you want to go start reading that one. And uh, the last thing I want to really mention housekeeping-wise is I know there are people waiting for mugs. Uh, I apologize. I'm going to try and send them out this weekend. I've just been busy. I'm the one. I've got like a couple hundred mugs in my closet and I'm the one who has to pack them and send them and I just haven't had time. So um, also, if you think you should get a mug because you are a subscriber at the $25 or above level and you haven't gotten one, either it's because I haven't shipped it yet or it's because you haven't given us your address. So you do need to send us your address if you wanna get anything. All right, people are saying the volume's low. I'll turn my volume up a little. I figured I didn't have to worry about volume levels today because there's no one else talking so you can just turn your volume up if I'm low. But I've turned it up so now hopefully you guys should be happy. So, I think that's everything. And uh yeah, let's start let's start let's dive in. Oh wait, we have a super chat already. I'll just put the super chat on screen already because that way I won't have to come back to it later. Binary Bard. Oh, yeah. Super chats. Beverly's also off today. So it's literally just me. I'm in charge of super chats. So you can blame me if I forget to do stuff. But I will try and read them all, even if I forget to put them on screen. Uh, Binary Bard says, You should try and have Lily Tang Williams on your show. She was on Gothic's channel recently. It was interesting. I'll check her out. I don't know who she is, but thank you for the suggestion. Okay. I don't know how much I want to talk about Chauvin, but everyone's talking about Chauvin, and I think it is uh, evidence of something, which I'll talk about in a moment. So let's just briefly touch on the Chauvin verdict. Um, he was convicted on all three counts. The first count was second-degree unintentional murder, which is a felony murder in the state of Minnesota. Um, that means uh, he, someone was killed while a felony was being committed. Uh, And the murder doesn't have to be intentional in that case, but the unlawful use of force does have to be intentional. Uh, In in this case, which was assault, as I think was the argument. That carries at least 40, or not at least at most 40 years. He was convicted of of third-degree murder, uh, which is when you cause the death of another by perpetrating an act eminently dangerous to others and evincing a depraved mind. They like to use their vocabulary words, but basically uh, they have to think that you've demonstrated that you're crazy or you're depraved in some way, I guess is the better. You're depraved. That carries 25 years maximum. And he was convicted of second-degree manslaughter, uh, which carries a 10-year sentence maximum, and that is negligence, whereby the person creates an unreasonable risk and consciously takes chances of causing death or great bodily harm to another. So those are the three things he was convicted of I have heard people saying that they don't understand how you can be charged for three different things for the same crime, uh, and people arguing that uh, these charges are incompatible. Uh, I at first thought the charges were incompatible as well, because murder to me always means some sort of intent, but apparently these second and third degree murders in Minnesota don't mean intent, uh, and neither does manslaughter, so they're not actually incompatible. It does sound a little bit weird to charge someone. It seems like if you're doing something, there should be, like, the one charge you go after. You can't you can't just throw everything at the wall and hope it sticks. But everything's stuck anyway. And I don't want to get into the details of what I think about it because it doesn't really matter. Um, I wasn't on the jury. I wasn't in the courtroom. I didn't watch the entire trial. Um, but I do want to talk about the... I do want to talk about the 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 way the trial was handled. Because I think the way the trial was handled is more evidence of irreconcilable differences between different sides in the United States here. And the way the trial was handled, trial was handled bothered me. Uh you we hear talk uh Scott Adams we've talked about Scott Adams before. We should have him on the show. I should try and convince him to come on the show. But uh Scott Adams has talked about Two movies, people are watching two different movies. Half the country's watching one movie, half the country's watching another. Now in this case, it's weird because normally in that case you have facts that are reported, that people are getting all the facts or not getting all the facts or getting different versions of a story. And that's an easy way to have more than one narrative. But in this case, we have mounds of direct evidence, I mean, we've got, you know, lots of cameras that we can watch over and over again. Uh, We got forensic evidence, we just there's, there's lots of facts to look at, we're all watching the same movie in the sense that we all have access to the same facts The trial was live streamed. Uh, We all watched the videos. And there's more that we can all watch all the videos, the body cam videos and the bystander videos, and there was a video from the store but not only can we not agree on what happened we can't agree on the process um and there's basically there's basically one accepted process there's a manichaean uh construct here there's a the manichaean there's this uh it's a black and white it's this or that all right and the manichaean process is uh the the accepted the good in this process is Here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to watch the bystander video that we all watched. You're supposed to be outraged. Uh, You're supposed to conclude that Chauvin is a racist murderer. Then you're supposed to demand that he's strung up immediately. Um, And then you're supposed to extend that to some catastrophically uh, bad judgment upon the entire system. That this is some catastrophic systemic problem and he is... uh, He's representative of that. That's the good narrative. That's the quote good narrative. That's the acceptable narrative. And anything outside of that is not treated with any nuance. It's not allowed to talk about. It. It's just bad. You're just an evil, bad person. And when I say anything outside of that, I don't mean defending the guy. I mean any kind of prudence, any kind of patience any kind of respect for the process, any kind of being careful and methodical, uh, resisting jumping to conclusions. So if you watched how this trial went on, if you brought up any mitigating evidence and said, well, could this be a reasonable doubt? No, it couldn't be, right? You had experts disagree, prosecution experts disagree about whether he died of asphyxiation or which is basically low oxygen in the blood or cardiopulmonary arrest. Um, You had a lot of blood oxygenation, which was explained by CPR. Not clear how effective that is or not. Um, You had fentanyl in the squad car. There was a lot of mitigating circumstances. There was an angle of the video where it wasn't, you know, how much of his weight was on the neck. The prosecution was using the phrase neck area uh, because they knew maybe it was kind of the shoulder sometimes, right? And again, I'm not saying, you know, my, my gut, which isn't worth much here, but my gut is like, eh, maybe a manslaughter charge uh, should have stuck, could be considered. I could see the argument for that. Again, I didn't look at all the evidence. But the process I watched, and the process is what's really disturbing. If you're going to be, if you're gonna have a judicial system in which there's a thing called sequestering a jury, if you have sequestration as a thing, which we do, Minnesota has sequestration. You could have sequestered the jury. On what, like what universe do you need to be in in which this is not the case in which you sequester the jury? Like if you're not gonna use sequestration for this trial, when the hell do you use it? What trial has received more attention than this? In the past, I mean in my lifetime, this is bigger than the OJ trial. Maybe if you, if you want to argue O.J. was bigger, fine, but like that was a long time ago. There's not many trials that have this much media attention. And yet from day one, jury wasn't sequestered. By the way, if I were a conspiracy theorist about this, I would think that uh, people are going out of their way to make sure that he's able to get a mistrial later on appeal. So the judge said, no, I'm not going to sequester then the city awarded a $27 million settlement, civil settlement to the family, uh, which wasn't enough. People complained, that's not sufficient. Like, okay, I, I get you can't bring anyone back from the dead, but that's a pretty damn big payoff. If a cop had been killed in the line of duty, I don't think he gets $27 million as compensation from the criminal families. Um, so okay, so he gets $27 million. Still, the judge, nope, I'm not gonna sequester. No need hey, guys, just don't watch the news. All right, fine. One of the alternates, by the way, admitted today she did see the $27 million thing scroll across the bottom of the screen. Okay, so she knew. Then you had Maxine Waters spout her mouth about basically jury intimidation. You had the entire press talking about this. It wasn't even just the news. The judge said to the jury, well, you shouldn't watch the news. I mean, but it was everywhere. You couldn't go on Twitter. You couldn't go on social media. You couldn't watched sitcoms, like it was everywhere. The defense made this point. So you have Maxine Waters spouting her mouth, basically saying, you know, we should escalate violence if they don't come back with the right verdict. The defense brings this up. The judge, yeah, yeah, whatever. He he chewed Maxine Waters out, but yeah, I'm not, you know, whatever. It's fine. This is at the end. Then you got. Then after that, you had mayor. The mayor of Minneapolis, after Maxine Waters was chewed out by the judge, basically does the same thing. Joe Biden steps up and does the same thing. So if if that combination is not some form of jury intimidation, I'm not sure what it is. Can you imagine being a juror? I mean, the media is semi doxing the jurors. Are, are, had been the whole time anyway. Can you imagine being a juror on that trial? and thinking to yourself, I'm not sure, I have reasonable doubt about a few things, and then weighing that reasonable doubt with the fact that the President of the United States, while you're deliberating, the President of the United States is out there saying that you gotta reach the right verdict and and you've got Congress people and the mayor of your city and the entire media and like everyone basically pressuring you to convict this guy I don't know what that would be like as a juror, but I can't imagine it would be easy to be impartial. I mean, juries have families and kids and lives. They don't want them, you know, they don't want them destroyed, right? So that's how the trial was handled. And again, even if the the result was correct, which, you know, I tend to think it wasn't correct. I think the two murder charges are a little much probably. Um, but, again, even if the trial was – even if the result was correct, the way we got to this result was dangerous. It was very, very dangerous. Look, pitch, pitchforks and torches and mobs, they can sometimes achieve justice, right? It's possible that that the mob that grabs the pitchforks and, and torches and marches down to, you know, town square and lynches someone, it's possible that that guy was actually a horrible, you know – serial murderer of children or something that might end up being justice but a lot of other times it's not justice and that process is abhorrent that process uh is a heinous perversion of justice and no one cares no one cares about the process here no one gives a crap What we have is a society of fascistic compliance and zero tolerance for skepticism. That's what we had here. With with the Chauvin trial, it was it was a fascistic version of compliance. Agree with this? Any skepticism not tolerated at all. We'll fire you in fact, people were fired for thinking the wrong thing, for having the wrong opinion about this trial. All right, so let's look at uh, Micaiah Bryant. I don't know how to say her name. M-A apostrophe K-H-I-A. I'm sorry. I don't know how to say that. That's not me being racist. Micaiah. I think it's Micaiah. I'm going to to go with that. Micaiah Bryant. She was 16 years old. This is in Columbus, Ohio. Happened this week. I think it was this week. Now there's calls for, you know, LeBron James here. Here's what LeBron James, this is the guy who shot, this is the, the police officer, not just a guy, it's the police officer who shot her, killed her. You're next, account, hashtag accountability. He deleted this tweet because he's a pussy. Uh, yeah, I said LeBron James was a pussy. I did. He's a pussy. But he deleted this tweet. He was a pussy for posting it, and he's a pussy for deleting it. But he deleted the tweet. But his, his sentiment is, uh, you know, this is what it reflects the mob's mentality here. This is what people are thinking. This is what the left is saying. Now, <laughs> I'm not going to spend a long time on this one because it's just so ridiculous. The cop shows up. So first of all, someone calls 911 saying, uh, there's a girl attacking my grandma and us with a knife. Okay, that, that sounds bad. The dude shows up, (laughs) there's a lady, lady, I don't know, lady is the right word, I guess she was 16, Micaiah's running around with a knife, she like, gets someone else on the ground, this person falls over, the cop kind of tries to corral the person on the ground, and then she turns to go after this woman dressed in pink, and has got her up against the car, and you can watch the video, she's got the knife, here, I got a knife, I'll use a knife. She's got the knife. It's like a big kitchen knife. It's not like a little pocket knife, right? It's like a big kitchen knife, and she's got it like this. She's like, ah, like, I'm trying. Like, she's got her hand on the person, and she's like, uh, it looks like she's about to stab. Like, she's, like, trying to stab the person. Cop does what he should do. He shoots the bitch. I don't care that she's 16. She shoots her because she's trying to stab someone. That's attempted murder. And no one's talking about the fact that he saved the life of whoever it was was about to get stabbed in the neck. Instead, they're you know playing their little violins about, oh no, he shot a child. She's just a kid. Kids have knife fights all the time. No, no they don't. Kids do not have knife fights all the time, nor should they have knife fights all the time. That's not the world we live in, nor want. Knife fights aren't normal. Knives, by the way, I don't have a lot of knife training, but I have a little bit of knife training. Um, Not like, don't sort of knife fight with me because I'll lose. Like, I've done a little bit of knife defense and improvised weapon defense, not a lot, mostly firearms. Knives are scary. Knives are really scary. I probably would rather face someone, you know, 15 feet away with a gun than seven feet away with a knife. Knives are scary. You can you can, they really mess you up. They are not a joke. So you got a big-ass kitchen knife about to stab someone. It's a good thing he was there to shoot her. So that's where we are. And again, I think we're, we haven't seen too much of it here. We've seen a little bit, but I think there's going to be some, some semblance from the mainstream media, from the cathedral, of you know this fascist compliance, zero tolerance for skepticism, right? I'm, they're going to take that clip that I just said that he shot her and good and blah blah blah, and, and you know anyone. If we were big enough, people would take that clip and play it around and use it as proof I'm some sort of evil person. Uh, fortunately, we're small enough and no one will care. But I don't know. Maybe if Susan sees this, we'll get suspended again. I don't know. But uh, yeah, what do you expect? What do you want? That's what you want the cops to do when you call because someone's running around with a knife trying to kill people in your family and the cop shows up and sees them trying to stab someone. What you want the cop to do is shoot the person with the knife. That's what you want. That's why you call the police. That's what you want. Guys should be getting a medal. And one last piece of evidence I just wanna bring up that we've talked about incessantly for over a year, so I'm not gonna talk about it too much, but it's the reaction to the COVID lockdowns. Right, there's, again, it's been, as we've said a million times on this show, it's fascistic compliance with zero tolerance for any sort of skepticism. Or, you know, should we really be wearing two masks? Hey, the other day, last, last month, they said no mask. Now they're saying mask hey, is this vaccine, can we ask questions about it? No. Hey, can we look at the death rates caused by the flu this year? No. Okay. Hey, how about this comparison between North and South Dakota? No, don't look at that. All right. I would say it's childish, but that's an insult to children. It's insane. It's an insane level of, Again, almost narcissistic level of, of authoritarianism. No skepticism. So I'm, I'm mentioning these three things, and I'm not going to in depth on them because I'm really just using them to make a point. I think they're evidence that we have fascists on the left. There's not a better word for this. I looked up. I was trying to find other words. You could say authoritarian, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, some of the main definitions for fascism do include nationalism, and the left doesn't have nationalism, so I'll give them that. But not all definitions. Uh, <laughs> not all definitions of fascism include nationalism. And if you want to call it a globalist kind of fascism, okay, that, that's enough. And... um I bring this up because I think Rome hasn't fallen, technically, but the fall is inevitable here. And I'm, I think we're spinning our wheels and wasting our time trying to deny that Rome is falling, that Rome is going to fall, that it's over. It's over. And that denial is not productive because things being over in one sense it means we can start anew in a new sense it doesn't mean the end of our lives or our happiness or even building a better world it means america as we know it as we were taught to it in civics class when we were kids is over then america is over it's over because we have irreconcilable differences between a fascist mob and everyone else and the philosophical principle that underlies this fascist mob is collectivism and we need to understand what that is and we need we need to see it and collectivism collectivism in this context i don't mean community people confuse collectivism with community they think if i'm anti-collectivism i somehow don't think people should live in communities Right? I mean, I was telling my daughter the other day, families are kind of socialist. That's okay because it's voluntary and it's a family. And we're, like, we share everything. Well, there's kind of not a lot of private property in a family, that's okay, right? You might even have something kind of similar in your extended family or even some friends. You might, eh, you know, I'm not keeping track of who's paying for dinner all the time or whatever in your small community. That's not collectivism. That's all voluntary. And it's based on the idea, which is anti-collectivist, that an individual is sovereign. Collectivism is the idea that an individual is not fundamentally sovereign, but instead individuals are means to an end. And that means can be that, there, that, uh, that end can be related to God or Allah, right, if it's religious extremism. It can be related to the state, if it's most atheists and people on the left. It can be related to class, right? If you're Karl Marx, it's related to class. Now we're seeing it can be related to race and gender, right? The individual is not the fundamentally sovereign unit in in a collectivist system. And there's lots of versions of collectivism. But the individual is a means to an end in those systems. And that's what we have on the left right now. We have a particular form of it, right? Now, you could argue <laughs> like this is collectivism is the reason why we don't want, say, the radical fundamental Muslims from Afghanistan, like the Taliban coming over and taking out the left for us, because then we have the Taliban and that's just a different form of collectivism. Right. Collectivism is the disease, the the particular manifestation of that disease does matter, but. Fundamentally, they're, they're basically the same. And I was talking, I was on the backstory with Lee Stran- Stranahan yesterday, and his co-host, John, I tried to make this point that I thought um, we kind of were in this irreconcilable differences phase where we just had <sighs> these kind of fascist zombies. And he said, well, no, I mean, Kent State, the Kent State era was really bad. And he said 58% of the people, I didn't realize this, 58% of the people at the time, according to him, uh, didn't even want to ask a question about how the order to fire was given. That seems pretty divided, right? But here's the difference. This is what I told him. I didn't didn't say it. I used fewer words because I'm going to explain it a little bit more. But The progressives, and I mean the old school progressives, late 19th century, early 20th century progressives, they built an enormous administrative state apparatus. They fundamentally changed the direction of this country in a bad, bad, bad way. They did not like capitalism. They, they argued against capitalism both, as a, both from an ethical and a practical perspective. They were anti-individual rights. Progressives were anti, from the very beginning, they were collectivists. In fact, many of them at the very beginning were eugenicists and racists as well. They were collectivists. And you had Woodrow Wilson, 1913, probably one of the worst years for the US. Woodrow Wilson, probably one of the worst presidents. You had him build a massive administrative state, a massive administrative state. Which is antithetical to individualism. But what you didn't have was the radical left in positions of power, controlling that entire state, and all the way up through Kent State, you still had. You know, I mean, McCarthyism happened right before then, right? You still had some. I will. I'll call them more conservative elements, but just, or broadly speaking, less radical left elements. In positions of power. You didn't have the left, yeah, they kind of owned the universities, but even the universities were less indoctrinated with obviously with wokeism back then, right? I mean, critical race theory wasn't even a thing. Um, you know, you had postmodernism emerging. And so the postmodernists were making their inroads. But you could have that kind of divide because the the people pushing this radical leftist craziness. The people reading Marcuse's, uh, (laughs) what was it? Uh, His essay on tolerance, well, I forget what it's called, something tolerance, it's about intolerance being uh, necessary for tolerance. The name escapes me, I apologize, if someone can put it in chat. But that stuff was happening on the, the fringes. They were the counterculture. So they didn't have a lot of power. So yeah, the country was divided, but the people with power were not on their side. We don't have that anymore. Now, uh, the left has control of the state apparatus. The cancer has metastasized. The left has control of everything. I mean, they're in the freaking Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, if if they're, if how, if they're in the Southern Baptist Convention, where else are they? They're literally everywhere. They control almost every university, almost every major media outlet, almost all government. Even the Republic the Republicans are, you know, pathetic, you know, panty wasted weak guys who have no idea how to even fight against wokeism, most of them. They're the reason half the time I think the conservatives are the reason the left has so much power. They're just idiots. They're bumbling fools with respect to protecting the values of America. They control everything. They control it all. And they're not dumb. They're using their power. I heard a story this morning on on NPR. D.C. is now clamoring for statehood. D.C., 90% Democrat. You know Puerto Rico is going to clamor, clamor for statehood. They are uh, they are using their power. They've talked about Supreme Court packing. They're going to use their power that they have now to solidify their power more permanently. That's what they're going to do. They're doing it. So this is not an example of Kent State where you have radical counterculture students, but you still have... Uh, a state apparatus that's not on board with their their extremism. Now you have a state apparatus that is on board with their extremism. There's, There's no conversation possible. We've talked about this. There's no conversation possible with the mob. There's no conversation possible with the left. These crazy people that, you know, Kerry looks at Facebook groups and says, you know, it's, uh, I forget, one of them was called Impossible Conversations or something like that. Not No, that's the book by James Lindsay. Uh, something Conversations. There's there's a Facebook group about conversations, which isn't about having a conversation at all. It's a woke leftist group. They don't want conversations. Their idea of a conversation is you shut up and listen and obey. That That's it. Or Antifa goes after you. That's it. That's their idea of a conversation. You can't talk to these people. And... That would be fine if they were relegated to being Starbucks baristas, but they are not. They are in control of the apparatus and need to let that sink in. You need to wrap your head around the fact that they are in control of the state apparatus. Not every locality, obviously, but in general, in the US, they're in control. That crazy mentality is in control. I know it's not a fun fact to face, but that's the fact. If you disagree with radical leftism, you're the counterculture, man. We are the counterculture. I mean, I never thought I was cool enough to be part of the counterculture, but it turns out that nerdy non-coolness and thinking and being careful uh, and, uh, I don't know, trying to be rational and not... Burn things and go crazy and make arguments and listen to people and support free speech. It turns out all of that is now counterculture. So what the hell, here we are. We're counterculture. The normal, sane, common sense people are counterculture now. This is not the first time this has happened in history. Don't you know, you don't have to think this is unprecedented. It happens. It's happened to us. At some point, Rome falls. Right? At some point, Rome falls. The barbarians breach the gates. They come in, Rome falls. Life goes on. Right? History didn't end for a while after Rome fell. It felt, what, 400 something? I don't remember when Rome fell. Fifth century. History didn't end. It's not like, you know, humans stopped existing and living their lives until Thomas Aquinas came along. Like, we didn't, you know, it's a history to end. Things kept going. We're going to keep going. But America's over. America's over. And as far as I see it, we have two choices. Maybe there's more. I'm happy to hear more. And I am going to get the chats. I promised, and I will. This I, I see someone in chat saying fourth turning. I don't want to get in an argument about fourth turning. I, I think the book was mostly astrology. Um, basically. like, But there was some validity to the book. But the fourth turning doesn't guarantee that even if that book was 100% correct, the fourth turning doesn't mean we just go through some kind of war period and then kind of keep surviving as a country. Countries die. Countries die. That crisis period, if it is the crisis of the fourth turning, well, that could be the disintegration of the United States. That could be the crisis. Right? Could be. I think we have, I think we, and I'm saying we to mean individualists, which I'm going to define a little bit more in a minute. I think we have two choices. We can choose the materialist route. And I know a lot of people assume that I'm a materialist because I'm an atheist, but I'm not. And the materialist route is you hide away in the woods, you cross your fingers. You don't have any kids because, you know, you don't want to think about what the hell is going to happen to them when they grow up and your grandkids. You live your life. You raise chickens. You hunt. uh, Chop some wood for, for, for warmth. Read some good books. Live out your life. Hope to God the ATF doesn't come to your house like they did for Randy Weaver. You can take that road. Uh... I don't think it's a particularly noble path. Uh, I think it's a materialist path. You're just kinda looking out for your own material best interest. I get it. I'm trying to withhold judgment on it, but you know It's not the path I would choose. The other path we have is to be principled. We can preserve and even cultivate and refine the, the ideas of the West, the cornerstone idea of the West, the one major cornerstone idea, which I'll talk about. We will do it in a smaller community. We might have to be a little bit hidden, maybe not. Maybe we'll have a little space, we can do it. Maybe it'll we'll be sorta of hidden. Maybe we can fight back in some areas where they don't have high ground. Right now, they got all the high ground. Even Sun Tzu will tell you, don't go after them. They've got the high ground right now. We could fight an intellectual war of attrition, right? We could focus on teaching our children, reforming our education um, methods to make sure that the future generations understand the cornerstone of Western civilization. But to do that, we need to understand what it is. and. I say a million times that it's occurring to me. I don't think people understand. Always, some people do. Some people. Some of you are totally on board. Um, uh, you know, some. Not everyone understands what I mean when I say individual rights. People use it because it sounds good, right? Individual rights. Yeah. I mean, even the ACLU thinks they're for civil rights or whatever, right? Um. The cornerstone of Western civilization. Uh, maybe this will piss off some. Religious people, but look, it's not God. I'm not saying God didn't play a role. I, you know, as an atheist, obviously, I don't think he literally played a role, but I, I do think Christianity played a role. But Christianity is not the cornerstone. We had Christianity for 2,000 years, and we didn't have Western civilization, right? Something, someone had to interpret Christianity in a certain way. There was a great discovery made. Maybe a rediscovery, uh, if you want to look at the ancient Greeks, but. There was a discovery made by Christians, by the way, uh, to give them their due. And that discovery was that individual rights, non-contradicting universally applied individual rights are antecedents to the state. They come before the state. They're not granted by the state. They're not granted by the consent of your peers. They're not granted by the king. The Christians would say they're granted by God. Natural law people would say they're granted by nature. We can have philosophical arguments about nature versus God versus philosophy. But the fundamental idea of the West is that those individual rights, that individual sovereignty precedes the state. You don't have a right to free speech because of the First Amendment. You don't have a right to self-defense because of the Second Amendment. You have a right to free speech because you're alive and you're human. People can write it down in a First Amendment and say, we promise to recognize it, that's good. But that's not where it comes from. Your right to carry a firearm doesn't come from the Second Amendment. You have it. You have it because you, are, you have the right of sovereignty as an individual. You own yourself. That sounds like a dumb, like an obvious concept, but it's not. It's not an obvious concept, and it wasn't throughout a lot of history. Put aside the fact that I'm ultimately an anarchist, and I know some of you are as well. Someone says, tell that to people in China. That's exactly what people in China need to hear. They have a right to Joe Leisure. What makes China's government evil is that they violate the right that they have. If the right came from the government, then nothing China was doing could be wrong. Because they just didn't grant them the right. Yes, turning on the screw. Turning on the screw says, inalienable. Yeah, it's an inalienable right. You have it. People can violate it. States can violate it. States often do violate it. They are wrong. You have it. They should not violate it. And a state's moral authority, again, I'm saying this as an anarchist. Bear with me, fellow anarchists. Um. I know most people here are libertarian or, or anarchist, not anarchist anyway. So this is good. A state's moral authority, to the extent that it has moral authority, a state's moral authority is derived from its stewardship of those rights. Does it recognize and protect them? That's where it gets its moral authority. Does it fail to recognize and protect them? Does it outright violate them? It doesn't have moral authority, no matter how many people voted for it. A state doesn't have moral authority because they sit in a fancy building or people elected them or they wear nice suits or people call them honorific titles like senator. That's not what gives them moral authority. They only have moral authority to the extent that they're good stewards of individual rights. It's not a democracy versus monarchy argument that fundamentally matters. Right? Monarchy is not bad because there's king like it's not bad because like it's not a representative government monarchy is bad because it doesn't allow for a mechanism for universal protection of individual rights right even if you have a good king he's not going to last forever so your rights are not recognized it's they're recognized based on the whim or the the capriciousness of the sovereign that's what makes monarchy bad in fact there is a form of monarchy uh (laughs) Sort of, I, we can call it a monarchy. There's a form of monarchy that would be great, and it was outlined in the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still, the old version from 1951. I don't know if any of you guys saw this, right? But in this, in this movie, I mean, they didn't flesh this out very well, but nevertheless, in the movie, there's aliens visit Earth, and the alien guy explains. He brings this robot with him. This robot's got, like, immense power. He can just annihilate the Earth if he wants to, but he can, like vaporize people or tanks or guns or whatever and the guy explains to people it's a spoiler sorry the guy explains to people look the alien says look guys uh he's 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 coming to earth by the way because earth is finally like starting to do space travel and stuff and they're worried that the earth's gonna spread their bad ideology and their violence across the the solar system or whatever so this is (laughs) Back when we thought people could live on other planets in the solar system, so he comes, he comes to Earth, and he and he shows him the robot. Gort is the robot's name. And Gort's got, Gort's part of what he calls a race of robots. And the robots have one function, basically, which is they respond to the initiation of the use of force. That's what they do, and they don't go into the detail about fraud as force or you know threats of force or whatever, but. Like I said, it's, it's very uh, low resolution philosophically. But the idea, sure, could a race of, of, of robots rule us if you were 100% sure that it wouldn't turn into Skynet and all that they did was uh, make sure that uh, the initiation of the use of force and fraud couldn't happen? Yeah, sure. If they were just protecting individual rights if that in that fantasy world, if that was possible— Sure, that will be a better system of government than anything we've seen before. That will be great. Now, it's a science fiction movie and can't happen, and no way in hell would I trust someone's AI program robot to do that. That's not the point, this is a theoretical exercise. It's not democracy that gives the government moral authority. It's their preservation of, their recognition and protection of individual rights. And if Gort protects individual rights better, Gort's got moral moral authority. Right. Last kind of thing I want to talk about is what these rights are. Because people use this word right all the time. It's a bad word. But it's what we got. Because people use the word to mean I have a right to housing, I have a right to blah, blah blah blah, right? individual rights are just it just means self-ownership and corollaries that's all it means it means you own yourself and there's corollaries to that that's all it needs to be universally applied and without contradiction that's it so what are the some of the corollaries are that means you can say what you want right you can say stupid things hateful things whatever you have a right to say what you want this free speech and write what you want you can live how you want you can make bad decisions you can take lots of heroin uh, you can eat lots of Twinkies. You can take dumb jobs. You can do, you know, you can live like you want. You might die that way. You can associate with whomever you want. So you can transact. You can sell sex if you want to. Is it a good idea? Well, maybe not. But you can make mistakes. You're allowed to. You can accept really bad wages. You can accept 50 cents an hour. If that's what you want to do, you're allowed. You can offer 50 cents an hour. No one has to take it. They can freely associate with you. They don't have to. You can keep the product of your labor. All these are corollaries to just owning yourself. That's all this means. Because owning yourself is not like some spiritual thing. That's not what I'm talking about. You own yourself physically. You physically own yourself. You live in the world. In reality, you own yourself. So you can keep the product of your labor. You do something, it's yours. You do something and get paid for it, that's yours. Someone voluntarily exchanges something with you, that is yours. You own the product of your labor, just like you own your body. You own your wallet. You can defend yourself. Uh, in in If we're going to, If we're gonna ask for the government to um, protect these rights, what we would tend to do is say, you can defend yourself in in an immediate threat of force. And if it's not immediate, we ask that you go through a legal system. But fundamentally, you have the right to defend yourself. And all all, all you really need, the concept, the only real, caveat to this it's not even a caveat the only thing you have to understand about how to apply self-ownership is that it needs to be applied without contradiction universally means to everyone in the same way and without contradiction and without contradiction means you can't violate the self-ownership of other people through stuff that you do so yeah you can do what you want and make bad decisions but those bad decisions can't violate my sovereignty that's it and and what that basically ends up looking like is you can't use force or fraud. That's what that ends up looking like. It's not super complicated. You don't have to read Spinoza or Kant or even John Locke. It's not super complicated. That's kind of, that's the idea behind Western civilization. Obviously there's nuances and discussions to be had and and implementation details and arguments about where boundaries are for things, right? What counts as force, what counts as fraud, like, yeah, all those discussions need to happen and those are important discussions. But fundamentally, that's it. Fundamentally, that's what self-ownership means. And to the extent that these rights are recognized and preserved, the state can claim they have moral authority. And to the extent that those rights are not, it cannot. And this is the fundamental divide that we're in right now that a lot of people are in denial about. When I talk about being an individualist versus a collectivist, this is what I mean. If you view view individuals as sovereign, right, then that's the standard you need to hold for the state. You need to hold them to that standard. If you view individuals as a means to a collectivist end, then you're not against the radical left, you're just squabbling over implementation details with them. If you disagree with what i just said right if you disagree with individual sovereignty if you if you think individuals are means to a collective end and they don't have self-ownership you're just you're not involved in the culture war in the same way that i am you might disagree with the radical left but that's just because you have you're just quibbling over which version of collectivism you might as well be an islamic fundamentalist arguing that that's better than wokeism i don't care You're you're both not supporting Western civilization. Neither one of your viewpoints belong in Western civilization. Doesn't mean you can't have them because Western civilization, we will support the right for you to say them, hold those views, talk about those views, but you're wrong. Now you gotta ask yourself, if the people in political power in the United States today, if they propose to start a new state from scratch would you grant them moral authority if if the current politicians if, if the constitution got wiped out everything all the entire apparatus got wiped out and the politicians in power said we're going to start a new country right now all we need is your consent would you grant them the moral authority to start a state do you think they would start a state with Individualism in mind, with individual sovereignty in mind, do you think that they have the same concept of individual sovereignty and self ownership as as I just articulated? Have the politics, the politics in the U.S. in the past hundred years, have they reflected a commitment to uh, preserve individual rights or usurp individual rights? And a lot of you say you love America I'm gonna ask you what do you love you love the colors of the flag do you love the land you like them the mountains you like the Appalachians you like the California coast do you love the people there are they really that different I've traveled the world are they really that different from other people at the end of the day eh, not really in some respects sometimes culturally not what, if that's what you love about America, nothing that you're feeling for America is really love in a deep sense. It's just an aesthetic preference. I don't give a shit about that. I don't care what food we eat, what our favorite sports are. I don't care where our borders are. I don't care what color our flag is. I don't care what race the people are. What I love is the ideas that built the United States. Is that what you love about the United States? Because if it is, are you committed to those principles? Because if you are, then the reality of what America has become is much less reflective of those principles than it was when you were born. Doesn't matter how old you are, look back. More or less reflective of those principles. And the people that are running America, do they love it in the same way that you do? Are they fighting to preserve the principles? If you're fighting to preserve America still, what are you preserving? The ideas or the boundaries and the names of things in some books, some buildings? When Rome fell, life went on as I mentioned. At some point, we got to recognize that the barbarians are—they're not through the gates, but they've won, right? But the essence of Rome was an anti-barbarianism, and the essence of the West is an anti-wokeism. It's individual sovereignty. I think we need to plan for the fact that this has fallen. I'm viewing it as liberating. It's liberating. It's a it's an exhausting battle. Look out at 330 million people in the United States and think I gotta convince all these people to give up their collectivist and their collectivist bullshit and they're they're they're, they're with their their narcissistic cluster B whatever deranged personalities they've got going on, trying to you know run around burning Starbucks and saying you know. Silence is violence. And like that idiocy, that's a, that's a battle. Man, we're not the first people to fight it. And everyone before us has lost. It's a losing battle. It's a losing battle, guys. But it's liberating because we don't have to focus on that battle. We can focus on what we're building. Ignore them. Let's build something. It doesn't have to be horrible. It's not. It doesn't start, you know. It's not about preserving some idea of America, like, in its current form. It's not about convincing AOC that free market or capitalism is a good idea, or even voting her out of office, right? Life moving on for us starts with understanding what we're fighting against but also what we're fighting for. Yeah, we're fighting against wokeism. We've talked about that a lot. What are we fighting for? I'm fighting for individual sovereignty. I'm fighting for individual sovereignty. That's what I'm fighting for. That was longer than I wanted, I'm sorry. I'll go back and look at chats. Let's look at chats. We'll have a a chat. (laughs) Sally <laughs> Toy says, I love how we force democracy around the world. Yeah. Right? I mean, we waltz into Afghanistan and try and force them, uh, democracy in Afghanistan. It's just not going to work. I mean, it's not going to work. We did it in what? We, Hillary did it in Libya. We ended up with a Muslim Brotherhood democracy is not what we're fighting for it's individual sovereignty that's what we're fighting for i'm happy to have arguments and discussions and debates and be fun about the right way the best way currently to support individual sovereignty how do we make sure that's protected what a great discussion you know if that's our mutual goal we can disagree argue and go out for a beer afterwards with love and brotherhood because we're on the same page. We're just trying to fight in the same battle. We're trying to build the same thing. I can't go out for a beer with someone who literally wants to use people as cannon fodder who believes that people are pawns in some greater collectivist game or ideology. Whether that game is for Allah or Gaia, Or the Great Reset. It doesn't matter. It's an abhorrent evil position to hold. I don't want any part of people like that. And those people aren't going to help build the society that I want to help build. You guys are. All right. Let's do some super chats. Let's see if I can pull some up on screen. Let's See if I—I I think they've all expired on the screen thing. They have, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try and go in order here. All right. I read the one from Binary Bard saying I should try and have Lily Tang Williams on. Don't know who she is. Thank you. Joe King says Gothics would also be a good guest. I don't even know who Gothics is, guys. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm, I'm not like, I don't watch a lot of YouTube. Maybe I should. I'll fight you naked says, I remember my first childhood knife fight fondly. Don't we all though? It's just a knife. <laughs> People who say that, I want to just go stab them. It's just a knife. It's a friendly knife fight. What are you talking about? What are you upset about? It's just a friendly knife fight um b allen b allen says what are the prospects of police departments attracting quality people in the future um roughly somewhere between zero and zero i i don't know who in their right mind what young man right now looks at this and goes i want to be a cop i mean what good young man or woman i guess looks at this and says i want to be a cop no one no one no one. Who wants to be a cop now? Eh, I don't know. I guess uh, sadists, uh, people with zero moral compass. Just you know, give me something to do. I'll do it. People who want you know, obedient people who just want to obey. You know, people who just willing to obey authority. Whatever. Don't care. Right. Just looking for a job. People who don't care. Looking for a job. Right? Maybe people who hate it and want to reform it from inside. Andy Griffith is not would not be a cop today. Azora says activists are literally using mafioso tactics. Yeah. Yeah, there's um they used um I don't know if this is to what you're referring, but um one of the. I think it was a witness for the defense. I might be getting this wrong, but I think it was a witness for the defense. They had moved, like they don't live here anymore, but someone found out their previous home address. And like they, I think they like put a pig's head there and smeared blood around it or something. Like, yeah, mafia technique to intimidate them. It turned out they weren't even living there anymore, right? But, uh, so imagine being the homeowner there um yeah that's it's mafia it's absolutely mafia techniques azura also says it will be crazy with the rittenhouse trial you're talking about kenosha where the better discourse conference is with carrie right now yeah yeah um House is another one dude i mean i watched what i could watch maybe there's other evidence but based on what i've seen man i a kid a kid should walk a kid should walk Blackbeard says the m s m coverage has been a real red pill. I hope so for some people. I hope it's been a red pill for some people um, but I don't know I mean you, you don't go poor underestimating the stupidity of uh or overestimating the stupidity of Americans I don't know I don't know they we 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 really like to be told whatever we, whatever's popular or whatever we think um, will help us fit in, right? I mean, we don't, I don't know. I hope. I hope. But, I mean, the media has been so bad for so long. If you're just now getting red-pilled, I mean, how much help are you really going to be in building society? Let's be honest. Like, if it took you this long to wake up and go, hey. Something's wrong. Uh, I mean, good, welcome, glad. I don't really need your help reconstructing society. You're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Speaking of friendly knife fights. Uh, Columbus Cynic, whose name I pronounced correctly, um, says, uh, by the way, gives us 50 bucks. Thank you, Columbus Cynic. He says, in my blog, I use the phrase vicious optimism to describe where I have progressed to philosophically. We will get through this, but we will not be the same as we were on December 31st, 2019. It's us to up to incorporate and it's up to us to incorporate and grow into something better. Yeah, you could think of it as like a vicious optimism, a gritty optimism. Honestly, like I I the black pill is, has become liberating to me. Right, because, like I said, life goes on. Life goes on. We're gonna hang out. We're gonna talk about what we want. We're gonna meet each other in August. Many up, some of us. Uh, we're gonna keep having these discussions, whether it's on YouTube or elsewhere. We're gonna figure out better ways to educate our kids, um, better ways to build communities. We're gonna start building alt tech. We're gonna be shunned from the rest of the mainstream. Maybe we'll get a place to go. Maybe there'll be a state. That secedes, or that we think we can go to, maybe not. You know, maybe we'll have to come up with, <laughs> you know, uh, secret handshakes, and I don't know. But we're going to move forward, and we're going to preserve the idea of individual sovereignty for future generations. And eventually, this pile of crap that they're trying to build in America will collapse on itself. I mean, it always does. We just have to avoid the boxcars and the and the mass graves. That's what we got to do. So we can so we can keep moving forward. And we got to train the future generations. Because, by the way, a generation is not that long. I know the younger people will, well, 20 years is long. Trust me, in 20, 20 years, it's going to go by, by like this. Right? And in 20 years, if you have a baby now, in 20 years, your baby will be able to affect political change. So... It, it's not, a generation's not that long. I mean, yeah, I'll probably die before there's major progress in, in, in the right direction. Uh, I mean, there'll be some progress in the right direction, but, you know, things aren't gonna be utopia when I die. Sure, sure. But we can certainly move things in the right direction. And we in a tangible way in our lifetimes, Absolutely. Francis Montgomery gives us 10 bucks and says, I'm glad that you finally had the courage and fortitude to admit the psychological similarities to the modern left and fascism. I I don't know if it was courage and fortitude. Maybe it was just uh, I finally wasn't dumb. I I mean, I wasn't afraid to admit it. Uh, Personally, I think they've I mean, I think I've been saying they're fascists for a long time. Um, Maybe I haven't said it on the channel, but. But. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think that's new. I don't know, people who've been watching can tell me, I don't, I don't think that's a new concept that I've, and I didn't come up with it. I People have been saying that for a while. Roger H. Says, strong leadership leads to good times, leads to weak leadership, leads to hard times, leads to strong leadership, and so the cycle continues. The version of that I heard was strong men lead to good times, lead to weak men, leads to hard times, leads to strong men. Uh, I don't know if I like the word leadership. Um I prefer I prefer to think of this as something that everyone needs to do, not not a leader to follow, because look, even if let's say we had a perfectly charismatic populist leader who totally was on board philosophically, understood uh, the importance of individual rights philosophically, spoke eloquently about it. Um, and was able to convince mindless zombies to vote for him. Okay, well he'd be able to make some positive change during his, his term, but his term will end, and if the zombies are just convinced by a strong leader, they'll be convinced by the next strong leader who's likely not going to be all that great. So I prefer the version with thinking about men and individuals. Uh Chris Raposo says, opinion, invasion, extraterrestrial or not, occurs. Do you think that it is a hard reset to norms and back to unity or mass surrender breakup? Oh, that's a good question. Because I have thought about this, Chris. Maybe not the alien invasion, although I will admit I've also thought about the extraterrestrial invasion. is this idea that people put forward, which I think has validity, which is uh, if there's a... Um, <laughs> If there's a common enemy to unite behind, we will put aside our differences and unite. Um like Independence Day, right? Like the movie Independence Day, right? They the the aliens come down, they're gonna they wanna wipe out civilization, and so we all have to suck it up and fight together, and suddenly we're getting along with each other. Um i do not think it would happen that way i don't maybe that sounds pessimistic uh i think it would be i think what would happen is the woke crowd would surrender because they respect authority oddly right they act like they're the the free-thinking freewheeling. we're the cool leftists we have the you know question authority bumper stickers on our like they are so mindlessly like authoritarian drones. They just they just look around to see what everyone else is doing. And they worship authority. They worship scientists, not science. They worship authority figures. Like they are worshiping Biden. No one likes Biden. They're worshiping him because he's the official one, right, to worship. You're supposed to worship Biden. Uh, I, I I think if aliens came down, they'd be like, Aliens, we're on your side. Like They would just surrender and worship the aliens. Um, And the rest of us would take up arms and shoot the aliens. And the left would uh, sell us out. The left would spy on us. The left would turn us into the aliens. And, uh, you know, hopefully would win and beat the aliens. But I think (laughs) that's my realistic... (laughs) That's my realistic... uh, To the the extent that you can have a conversation about alien invasions and be realistic, that's my realistic assessment of what would happen. Um, Okay. Carrie Carrie just texted me, and I'm thinking, ooh, does she want to talk about something on the show? She's just asking me a scheduling thing. She's not even watching. I'm all alone, guys. All right. Uh, Why bother? Why bother? Says, some people even go further and claim that the truth comes from the state. Try talking with them about individual rights. Resistance is futile the Borg. Excellent point, why, why bother? I, I mean, it's bad enough to think individual rights come from the state, but yeah, I mean, eventually, because education has come from the state, you eventually, you eventually up with, end up with a population that just thinks truth comes from the state. Um, which, you know, we've talked about before, authoritarians need and want for you to believe that truth comes from the state. G Man says, rights can't be given. They can only be taken away. If a person or government has to give it to you, it's not a right. Well put, G Man. Well put. G Man says, on a lighter note, what kind of tea do you like, Carter? I'll bring you some good stuff in August. Plug day passes here. Oh, thank you. See, I'm relying on G Man to, who I, I don't even know, but he's cool. He's in chat a lot. Uh, <laughs> I'm supposed to remind people about August. We do have a retreat in August. Go to unsafespace.com. You'll see the link for the retreat. I don't know if we have any overnight uh, rooms available yet uh, anymore. We may or may not put a couple more up, but you got a little time for that. Uh, we definitely have day passes available. Uh, and if you buy a day pass, and then we end up putting a room up, and you want to switch, you can just let us know. Um, so uh, that's my plug for the unsafe space retreat. Um, what kind of tea do I like? I this this is just this is gonna sound lame but this is just mint tea and the reason this is just mint tea is I wanted to just leave the tea bag in it I don't have many place but the tea, like I I didn't want to like deal with I'm picky about my tea Americans don't steep tea properly like you're supposed to leave it in for a little while and then take it out you're actually not supposed to I mean tea bags are kind of lame to start with but you know um my, my wife's from a culture drinks a lot of tea and I've got a whole like tea set where I can take some good I like black tea good good black tea loose leaf black tea um but you can't oversteep it you gotta pour it in pour it into your cup uh and then you know you can't just like leave the pot for 20 minutes and then pour more into your cup it, it gets bitter and horrible you gotta pour it out like um but mint you can just you can just kind of throw the bag in and not give a crap uh. So this is not great tea that I'm drinking, but I was cold. So there's your answer, G-Man. Golden Yunnan is a good one. Um, Lots of black teas are good, though. The Captain's Log says, I spoke with a Belarus girl. Hey, congratulations. Oh, and she said her government rapes and murders peaceful protesters for fair elections, but thinks people slash Americans doesn't need guns because of mass shooting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Pfft. yeah. <laughs> I don't. I mean, what do you even say to that? Captain's log says, "Oh, the irony." I I don't know even how do you respond to that. See, there are some people you just can't have conversations with. You just can't have like that girl. You just can't have a conversation with her. There's nothing there. There's no. There's no thinking going on. There's no reason to have a conversation. It just doesn't no I mean, if you wanna convince her of something, you wanna get her on your side, you don't need to have a conversation, you need to sit down with an advertising agency and figure out like, the right slogan to emotionally manipulate her. But that's not a conversation. Uh, and she's gonna be of no use in actually building anything. She, she might be a parrot if you get the right, you know, <clears throat> you get the right 30 second sound bite into her mouth emotionally, that might be a good sound bite to have her parrot, but she's not helpful. Um, in any real sense. Twee Girl says, I don't want to be policed by the people who will take their place. Oh, you mean of the police? Yeah. Well, I don't think anyone, any of us do, Twee Girl. I mean, that's the scary thing. Right? I mean, some of the older... Some of the older cops... You know, fe- federal and and like federal agencies and, 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 local. Some of the older cops have a respect for the constitution. They joined the force because they care about it. now. I think they're wrong about some things like, uh, you know, I couldn't, I wasn't, I, not that I ever could have gotten in necessarily, but I was interested in joining the FBI when I was a young man. Um, and probably cause I liked agent Mulder to be honest. And speaking of aliens, and uh, I didn't do it because I realized I didn't get a choice in what laws I enforced. Like if the FBI was just about going after murderers and rapists and stuff, I would have been like, yeah, totally, I'm down. Uh, I think it's a noble profession. And there are a lot of people who who do that because it's noble. Um, but I realized, like, there's drug laws that I wouldn't want to enforce. Um, and... And now there's a whole bunch of other stuff i mean they'll show up at your house if you tweet the wrong thing in some countries and places so um i I wouldn't do that i don't want to be involved in that so um so yeah but the older but some of the older officers are much better older law enforcement are much better but nowadays from what i'm hearing uh from what i'm hearing from the few contacts that i have that are kind of connected to the old guard in law enforcement. They're not bullish on law enforcement moving forward either. They're kinda saying, yeah, it's the the young mindless thugs who don't give a crap about individual rights that are signing up now, right? And those are the people who are gonna stick you onto boxcars, right? Those are the people who just obey. You know, we read the book Ordinary Men in Book Club. Those are the people who are gonna just do what they're told, right? Um, they're better. The government wants that. I mean, they're better from the authoritarian government perspective. right? The, go- the authoritarian government doesn't want some cop who's read the Constitution and is like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> they don't want that. Look at how the judge in the Lisa Hansen uh, um, hearing treated the sheriff who didn't want to arrest her. And the sheriff wasn't even, like, standing up for much. He was just, like, trying to delay arresting her and getting her to do it you know, come in gently. <laughs> but the judge is outraged by the 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 sheriff's lawyer's argument that actually the sheriff doesn't have to bring her in if he doesn't want to. Like, he's, you know, he's within his right to not bring her in. I mean, the, the, the concept is, like, totally foreign to the judge. How could that possibly be, right? I often think that the... Law enforcement would be much more interesting if cops were not if cops had the leniency if they were allowed they had the freedom to just refuse to enforce laws. They would have to write them down beforehand. They couldn't do it in like in a preferential nepotism way like my cousin killed someone so I'm not enforcing murder. But if they wrote them down like like I'm going to okay great I'm on the force I'm only going to enforce these laws I'm not going after I'm not going after other laws. The problem is, you know, with it it gets way too complicated to do that. You can't really do that because you know, you cannot want to enforce drug laws, but because drugs are illegal, you've got gangs running drug laws and gangs are doing other violent things which are illegal and horrible, so it's all related, and the DA will just use, you know, whatever, go after them with whatever laws they can, so. Lydia says their job is to enforce, not decide. Yeah, I know. Uh, although um sheriffs, I, there's some, there's some, uh, dispute regarding sheriffs and that uh, I've heard some conflicting things about sheriffs with respect to their ability to make decisions about what to enforce um, we should probably have Chris Chrisanne Hall um, there's another sheriff there's a sheriff that I want to have on too. we should probably have them on the show to talk about that in particular because I'm not an expert Anyway, I think that's all the super chats. Let's see. I'm going to take a minute to just look through chats. See if you guys want to talk about anything else. If you do, let me know. If you don't, we'll just end it. It's been an hour and twenty minutes longer than I thought my pseudo monologue. I guess it was a monologue would last. Let's look. Let's look through some chats here. If anyone has anything they want to talk about, let me know. By the way, I'm going to say. Um, I'm going to say one thing. Um. Okay, so I, I know there are some people uh, who consider themselves individualists generally, but they have uh, like one or two issues that are their pet issues. And they'll say like, well, I, I, yeah, I'm all for the individual sovereignty and I like the individual and accept healthcare or except I think there should be minimum wage, whatever it is, they have a thing, they got a pet issue. Um, I get that, I get you got a pet issue. But you have to admit at that point that you're not being principled. You're just arguing for what you think is best for you materially. And maybe you're right. Maybe for you, free healthcare is better. Maybe you're one of the people that would get more out of national healthcare than you would give. I don't know. I mean, eventually, socialized medicine is worse than free market medicine, but there's there's definitely borrowed time that socialized medicine lives on in terms of investment and... Uh, innovation and that kind of stuff. So maybe in your lifetime you would be better if suddenly there was healthcare. Maybe you'd be better, maybe your personal life would be better if there was a minimum wage because you're an employee that your employer would gladly pay the more, they'd fire your friend but not you, right? Um, but you can't claim to be principled at that point. You're just using individualism because you think individualism is the most convenient way to, for, to, for you to get what you want in your life materially. That's fine, just admit it. That's all I'm asking Um, just admit it, you know. There's plenty of abhorrent things that I think should be legal that I wouldn't do, that I don't support at all. But because I support individual sovereignty, let people do them, right? Legally, I let people do them. I probably wouldn't hang out with them at barbecues. But, um, I also wanna, you know, there's something related to this that I wanna bring up. There's this fallacy. I hate this argument, but I, and I heard it against, used against Ayn Rand. I don't really hear it much anymore, but I hear this used against Ayn Rand. It's such a brain dead, moronic argument. So I just want (laughs) to expose it for the fraud that it is right now. There are people that are like, well, she argued against welfare, but she took Social Security. Therefore, she's a hypocrite. First of all, she wrote an entire essay about that. So if you're going to be, criticizing her, you might want to read her essay. But second, you've got to be dumb to believe that. I mean, that's just not how that works. I mean, I got an EIP check. I don't believe the government should print money, tax money, uh, borrow money against my kids' uh, futures. I don't believe the government should do any of that. But I'm not going to rip up my EIP check when it comes in the mail. Or it's a card. But whatever. (laughs) I'm not going to... Of course. If someone... If someone robs you and then cooks you dinner with they they rob you and then they buy food and cook dinner and give you part of the you know part of the proceeds of their robbery they give back to you in the form of dinner you don't have to I'm not eating the dinner because that would be hypocritical because I I disapprove of robbery you literally just have to have like a zero IQ to think that way like you just had not zero but you just that's just dumb don't be a moron that's not a valid argument it's not hypocritical to take money. When the government's stealing from one pocket and giving you back a little bit. It's not immoral. And it's not hypocritical. It's just a dumb argument. <sighs> we got another super chat. Jay Tucker says, Carter, your insights are insights are fire. Please clip the individual rights segment. Incredibly powerful point you made here. Thank you. Uh, I don't know if we're really doing too many clips anymore. Beverly, we, we, we realized we were making small clips to share around and no one shares, no one gives a crap. So instead what we're doing now is just uh, making versions of the videos that like making URL links that have time codes in them and sharing those around. So it just jumps to the spot. And then if you wanna keep watching, you can keep watching. But there's like three or four people that are always like, you have to clip this, you gotta make a 30 second clip of this and then we do and literally like those are the only people that share the clips, um, so. all right anything else we should talk about guys i it's we it's weird to have a conversation without carrie i kind of wish i could hear you guys i am appreciating not wearing my earpiece but i kind of wish i could hear you guys you guys should have get rucka on the show i don't know rucka really well is he like an objectivist though because i saw him talking with other objectivists in clubhouse the other day uh and I've seen a few things that he's done. I, I, I like him, but. Sun King, don't worry. Your precious Carrie is not gone forever. She's just at the Better Discourse Conference in Kenosha. She'll be back on Monday. Go get your smelling salts. Revive yourself. Amy Smith says, where do we get our rights if not from God? And she screamed it in all caps. So it's a very important question. Um, well, Amy. Uh, I, I know that a lot of Christians believe that that is a, uh, one-two punch. Gotcha! Where do they come from if not from God? (laughs) Ha ha! I got you, you dumb atheists. Gotta come from God! Uh, no. That's not how it works. Uh, I get that some Christians think they come from God. All Christians, I assume, think they come from God if you're Christian. That would be the origin. Uh, I get it. Um, and we can argue about that later. But, um... Philosophically, rights come from the nature of humans and what humans need to survive. Uh, and humans are rational animals. They don't have uh, they don't have thick claws, like big claws, sharp claws. They don't have thick skins. They don't run really fast. Uh, humans' primary means of survival is their rational mind. Um, and they survive by manipulating the environment around them. Um, if I strip you naked, Amy, and throw you on a desert island, you'll die, uh, likely. <laughs> Because you probably don't know how to um, you probably don't know how to uh, survive. I would die too I'm not picking on you like most of us would die. I mean maybe like there's the survivalist dude on the Discovery Channel who could maybe survive. most of us just die, right um, We need our rational minds to manipulate the world around us. Um, we need to be able to plant food uh, and plan plan for that and and all that kind of stuff. And the purpose of philosophy, I believe, should be to teach people how to live on Earth, right? Is, it's to come up with a set of rules for how to live on Earth. And without going through the details of the metaphysics and epistemology uh, that precede this, um, what you what you come to if you're looking for an ethical system in philosophy, uh, and you're not trying to be an asshole like Kant, who's just trying to, like insane, like just trying to confuse people right? Or if you're not trying to be like an intentional nihilist or destructive, um, if you're approaching it sincerely, as I think Aristotle did and, and others. Um, I think you end up with this understanding that, well, um, in order for a human to survive and thrive and and live, he needs to be free to use his mind, right? He needs to be free to think what he wants and say what he wants and, and uh, you know, plant the corn and reap the the reap the corn that he planted right he needs to have ownership of himself if he doesn't and and to be to be clear that's only true if life if human life is the standard like if your standard is you want humans like what are the rules for humans to live if your standard is like i don't give a crap about humans and they should die then you don't actually get to individual rights uh that doesn't doesn't happen you need to have that standard um, so I guess you could have a society without that standard, and that's fine. But I don't want to live in that society. Um, but if your if your standard is human life, you arrive at this conclusion that actually what a human really needs is sovereignty. He needs to be able to deal with other humans as he sit, sees fit voluntarily, um, and he needs to um, he needs to have self ownership uh, in order to live. Because if he doesn't have self ownership, he can't live. He can't do the things that he thinks are necessary. He can't use his own mind and his own judgment to do the things that he thinks is necessary for his survival, right? And that's his primary means of survival. It's his own judgment. He's got to be free to, to use it um, and use it practically, not just think about it, but use it in, in reality. Um, and so that's, that's where that comes from. There's, there's definitely other natural law arguments about where it comes from, um. Some of the founders relied on some natural law arguments. Some of the founders relied on uh, God. I mean, obviously, all the founders were at least deists, as far as I as I know. I don't think, think there's any atheists founders. I think mean, they were all at least deists. Deists. I know Thomas Jefferson did question the existence of God in some letters and stuff. I, I'm not an expert on that. Um. So yeah, and the and the they, there have been Christians who've made this similar natural law argument as well. Um. But uh, I think a lot of the Christian argument usually comes from some sort of divine spark that makes man special, and that's why they have individual rights. For as an atheist perspective, though, saying that you need God for rights doesn't solve my problem as an atheist, right? Because I'm not going to invent something I don't believe exists just to get to the end goal. Like that's not a that's not moral. That's it's not it's hypocritical. So like if you swooped in and said, well, you need Thor for rights, I would say, well but I still don't believe in Thor. I can't just claim to believe in Thor because I need rights. That's not fair. Um and it doesn't solve it also from the perspective of I I believe and I'm not trying to piss off Christians and I think I, as an atheist I believe god's a creation of man's imagination. So to have someone rush in and say you need this imaginary being that I thought of in order to have all these rules that I've thought the imaginary being has said we have like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I'm not trying to piss off Christians. I don't know you actually want to have an argument about it. I, I think that's a discussion we could have someday. Right now, uh, like most Christians in the West, I won't say most, a lot of Christians in the West and, and most of the ones in this channel uh, do hold individual rights as sacred and they come at it from a different perspective. And that's what matters to me because those are the Christians that I want to build a society with. They care about and respect individual rights. Um, and that matters and you know look when we're in a a, when we're in a little community that respects individual rights and and we've made a lot of progress and we're we've got all this woke crap past us we can sit around the fire and argue uh theology and philosophy and religion all day long and and that'll be great but um not all christians respect individual rights most atheists don't um and the dividing line for me is really around that so that helps okay uh okay let's see what else we got amy smith says i'm not picking on you it is the logic of targeting the basis of our individual rights that concerns me uh i'm not i'm i didn't mean to pick on you either amy i i I, (laughs) i hope i didn't maybe i did i was a little harsh at some point but i hope i hope i wasn't um Someone says Hegel was the worst. Yeah, Hegel was the worst. Oh, my God. Um, But uh, let's see. What does Amy else... Let's just follow up to make sure I answered this question. If the founders say God gave them and they get rid of God, we lose them. That's my fear. Oh, I see what you're saying. If the founders say God gave rights and we get rid of God, then people won't have... um, justification for them well i think amy what i think you're talking about and and this is what i hate with the atheist community i think this is the i think this is the great failure of the atheists Uh, and it's why i hate the atheist community most of it uh with a passion because um look christianity was around two thousand years christianity was around did some horrible things did some okay things not all bad not all good like most religions um didn't figure out the importance of individual rights. I mean, Christianity spent more than a millennia not getting that individual rights mattered, right? They didn't get it. Uh, Aquinas fell in love with Aristotle, great. We started to see some more thinking coming from Christians, justifying individual rights through a Christian perspective. Um, Of course, the West was largely Christian, so you could argue that if the the West was Zoroastrian, they would have hopefully found and and they had rediscovered aristotle maybe they would have found a way to justify individual rights through zoroastrianism i don't know i'm not saying they would have but the point is uh i think there's some value to christianity also which we've talked about before uh evolutionarily so yeah they they arrived at these this concept that individual rights mattered it was a breakthrough in terms of at least in modernity it's it's something that stands apart as this observation like hey this stuff predates the state. This this stuff is antecedent to the state. The state doesn't give us these rights. We have these rights. It's natural law, God's law, whatever. Whatever they were calling it, depending on the person. That's an important, super, super important observation. A discovery slash rediscovery. It's a super important discovery to make. And it's a super important observation and it's the crux of Western civilization. It really is the crux of Western civilization as far as I'm concerned. Um, And the atheists came along. Fucking atheists. Again, I'm picking on myself here, but God. The atheists came along. And uh, they tore it to shreds. They tore God to shreds. And they ignored exactly what you're pointing out, Amy. They ignored the fact that, like, uh, don't we need some ethics? (laughs) Like, hey you can't just raise the house to the ground can you replace it with something and they didn't really i mean for to a large extent they didn't replace it with anything and what they did sort of replace it with was absolute utter anti-individualist crap right i mean hegel is as far i mean hegel believed i've said this before hegel believed that the state was like the the will of the universe Manifest on Earth, and that like humans were the fodder for the state. I mean, what an abhorrent ideology! Marx is horrible. Marx was horrible. Marx loved Hegel. Hay- Marx was horrible. The postmodernists horrible. Kant was horrible, horrible, intentionally confusing. All about duty, like totally pushed this altruist ethic, which undermines individual rights, like. Totally a mess. Totally. These people, these people that came along, I mean, the the people that the atheists then embraced, just an utter mess. We would have been much better off if the atheists hadn't gone after God, right? But they did. They did go after God. And I think what needs to happen, in the atheist community at least, is they need to be shown an alternative to socialism marxism which is what most of them are they need to see that look guys individual rights don't need to be a christian thing there's a reason there's a rational reason to have individual rights there's a rational reason to understand it and you could come at this just empirically by looking back at history and saying what works and you would conclude individual rights seem to work way better than treating people like fodder. Or you could do it philosophically, which I prefer. All right, In either case, uh, you get to the right conclusion and um, I, that's why I think there are very few atheists who are allies with Christians in this fight. More and more now. But, um, man, they really just, a lot of them are just hedonists or they're massively confused. They're like, they don't believe in objective reality, like, which is just such a dumb thing. What a stupid thing. I don't believe in objective reality. I mean, your answer can literally be, thank you for agreeing uh, and believing in objective reality. I mean, there's no, they, <laughs> all the stuff that they think is profound in a lot of their philosophy, is just babble. It's just garbage so someone can get a PhD. Um, anyway, don't get me off on that. Sam Harris is anti-free will. I think he's probably done too much LSD, but I haven't listened to Sam Harris in a long time. I read a book of his a while ago. But TDS made Sam Harris go a little crazy. TDS was a weird thing to watch, right? Um, it was a really weird thing to watch for me because I agree with a lot of the aesthetic problems people had with Trump, but they he triggered them psychologically in a way where they couldn't see any value they're like hey. you know even people who uh especially like the objectivist community a lot of the leaders they you know he doesn't understand this and that. He doesn't, like yeah no he doesn't understand the philosophy sure yeah he's, he's tapping into these emotions yeah but you know what you know what the american people responded to they're pretty sure the guy actually likes america and that might be a low bar but he's one of the very few people who ran for office who actually could pass that bar, like who met that bar. He actually kind of likes America. That's not a bad place to start. So. Oh, Joe King says, what do you think of the left canceling Richard Dawkins for using science? I'm actually not familiar with the story, but I could guess that they canceled him because he said that there are two sexes. Um I think Richard Dawkins is like a humanist atheist, um, which I think is uh I think humanism is like a weird cop out. It's like this weird they act like it's scientific, but they start with these weird premises like the greatest good for the most people. What the hell does that mean? Like, do you not define your terms? You just, like you can't just start a proposition with Beaslebar blah blah blah. That's premise A premise b is therefore communism like you can't or like you can't just start with this gobbledygook the greatest good for the greatest number what does that mean humanists what the hell are you talking about do you even know what words are what does that mean and they start from there and i think richard dawkins is one of them i don't want to put words in his mouth but they start from there and they so they have these kind of vaguely held kind of pragmatic feelings driven beliefs in things and then they use Science. They're progressives in many ways. I mean, the progressives, the late 19th century pro- and early 20th century progressives were, uh, you know, scientist worshipers. And they were kind of science worshipers in the sense that they believed that there was a scientific, like they wanted a scientifically administrated government, right? And they, they believed that, oh, we just need, like, science will teach us how to administer things. Well, science is a subset of philosophy. Like, science is a specific, <laughs> it's, it's using reason, Uh, and evidence in a very specific field to deal with the physical world. You can't just then say, I'm not gonna use reason or or logic or evidence to figure out uh, what kind of political system I want. I'm just gonna pick that arbitrarily and then stuff science in there so it will be efficient. Like that doesn't, that's not scientific. Uh, That's sophomoric. So, but you know, I'm not surprised the left canceled them. and He's kind of uncancelable though, because he's so huge. I mean, Richard Dawkins is, is very well known. And by the way, I do think The Selfish Gene is one of the, my favorite books on evolution for anyone who wants to read it. Okay. I think we're close. Hopefully Amy's not mad at me. Um, Luther 23 says, it is because they are constructivists. They believe humans are all blank slates and can be trained to learn anything. Innate differences are pronounced and make many... Ideals of equality oh God Lutra you're gonna make me go down this path you're right of course um <laughs> Judson says all Dawkins did was ask for logical consistency well that's a sin Judson so no wonder they canceled them uh Lutra yeah they are blank slatists in some sense w- well they they are blanks they have their they believe in the tabula rasa uh psychology which which by the way Rand believe I am a Rand this fan I will I'll say fan I, I like a lot of what she said. Um, she also believed it but I, I don't think there was there just wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot known about psychology at the time. Now we know better. Um, but uh, yeah they they kind of have this this viewpoint on humans that they start out as this blank slate and you can just imprint on them. You can imprint socialism on them, and this is kind of the socialist utopia. This is the the communist ideal, right? You get a baby. Um, you it doesn't you don't want parents because the family's not part of communism. So, uh, you you throw it into the uh, the the collectivist factory, which imprints upon the child to be a good communist. And after a couple of generations, you have communist utopia because you've got you've perfectly imprinted. All these people and they 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 uh, they don't have any human psychological quote flaws that destroy communism because communism communism works good on paper if uh, you're not applying it to humans <laughs> like if you ignore the fact that humans have uh, particular characteristics and are people in any way and have desires and differences and things they want and like autonomy in any way and like if you apply it to like npcs i guess communism works um but yeah they don't they don't understand anything about about that and the scary thing the more that we understand uh human psychology is um not only wonder freeman saying free will yeah free will can can and uh play a role obviously uh it does play a huge role not cam but we've also learned a lot about psychology being uh, heritable. There are heritable psychological traits—a hell of a lot of heritable psychological traits. Um, doesn't mean always like it doesn't mean you, you know, just because I'm an asshole doesn't mean my kid will be an asshole. But like there are there are a lot of psychological traits. There's a high degree of heritability for a lot of things, and so uh, you can't just indoctrinate it out. It Turns out kids aren't tabula rasa; they don't start out as blank slates at all. Um, there are differences in, as Charles Murray would call it, cognitive repertoires. And that's both personality and IQ and a whole bunch of other stuff. Like they, they, there are differences between people. And that's an uncomfortable fact. And it's uh, difficult to deal with uh, morally. Um, it doesn't mean people are morally unequal, but uh, you know, it, nevertheless, it's a, it's an uncomfortable, difficult reality that we've come to, to understand. Um, and the left just ignores they don't, I mean, you get you, you get banned just for talking about it. Probably, I mean, the left just really ignores it. They hate that idea. Um, you know, they hold this idea that uh, there's literally no difference between men and women. For example, right? That we've we've evolved uh, to have completely different sex organs, uh, uh, completely different roles outside of society, like prior to modern civilization, completely different roles in child rearing and and everything. I mean, now we still have different roles, but like necessarily massively different functions uh, evolutionarily. Uh, And their contention, their honest and brain dead moronic contention is, oh, those differences are literally just physical, right? The brain, which is the largest consumer of calories of any organ The brain the easiest thing to change evolutionarily right behavior is one of the easiest things to change evolutionarily if you want to make an evolutionary change it's much easier to change the disposition of of like a breed of dogs than it is to change their color right so physical traits are harder to change than psychological traits (laughs) you like they look at men and women and say oh Evolution only produced physical differences, and if you say that it produced any psychological differences, you are a misogynist pig and anti-science sexist. Blah blah blah, blah 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 blah. All right, well, you know, you can think that and you can build systems on it, and your systems will fail miserably, and people will be unhappy and die, and and you know, go ahead, but you're wrong. There are differences. Um, there are. So. <laughs> Surly Unicorn says, careful lest you have Susan Gracie with her love of freedom of expression. Right. Hey, Carrie's here. She just landed. What's Carter talking about today? Oh, we better we should stop talking about Carrie, guys. Stop talking about her. I can't believe you guys made me say those things about Carrie. <sighs> Carrie, don't rewind. Um Yeah, actually, we were just kind of wrapping up, I think. Um So Dario thinks I'm rambling a lot. So maybe Dario needs to listen twice to understand. It's okay. All right, everyone. I think we should probably wrap it up. Um, (laughs) Unless you guys have anything important to talk about or uh, or you really want me to get, get to, it's been almost two hours, which, by the way, Yeah, turn on. the screw says we've been wrapping up for 30 minutes. I know. I keep thinking we're going to be done, and then someone brings up something I want to talk about. I know you're kidding, Dario. I'm kidding as well. Jeez. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let me just go back, see if there's any announcements I'm going to forget. Okay, as a reminder. Oh, what I didn't say, I should have reminded – you can go buy merch at unsafebase.com. We have shirts and stuff. Oh wait, watch this. I'll put up a. I'll put up some shirts, on the screen for people to see. Some of Beverly's favorites. We have this mostly peaceful shirt. We have a fifteen days to slow the spread shirt because we're almost there. It's all um, we're almost at fifteen days. I know it feels like it's been a year, but trust me, it's just it's not quite fifteen days yet. Um, a non-essential, if you like me, are non-essential. Uh, we can have a non official We have a new censored shirt. You can go check that out. Okay, there's our there's our swag. Go buy swag. Or not. Sign up. Share. Like, do all those fun things. If you did end up watching from DLive, can you go can you tell us somehow? I don't even know if that works. Carrie Smith says I need to tell another joke. I don't I haven't really told jokes. I'm not a joke teller. Uh I do sometimes make quips under my breath that some people think are funny or maybe it's just Tourette's but and I'm not good at telling jokes um Carrie you have an awesome time I know you're listening have a great time in Kenosha uh and I don't know if they're live streaming I don't if they are go watch Carrie while she's uh hosting a panel tomorrow if she's not if they're not live streaming um drive all the way to Kenosha drop what you're doing drive there now so you can watch her all right thanks everyone for watching. don't forget to like share subscribe all that fun stuff We will see you again on Monday. Carrie will return on Monday so um, all those I know you all missed her I missed her she'll be back fear not and uh, she whatever she says on Monday will be absolutely brilliant you like just wait she's got a it's a doozy it's the best thing you've ever heard it's coming on Monday All right later everyone have a good weekend.
1: The following co-conspirators have been on person and marked for cancellation. The World Health Organization recommends socially distancing from these individuals and wearing at least two sets of earplugs at all times. In the event of an unexpected encounter, cover your ears and scream repeated insults to prevent infection. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean, that's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. The fact that you are still watching this video saddens me. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news.